Oh man, it's good to be back here. Um, I was gone this past week. Uh, I invite you to turn to James chapter five, uh, five, chapter five, phones, Bibles, however you do it. Uh, we're going to be studying back into James here. But uh, last week I was gone, and I was actually preaching at Ron Morrison's church, which I don't know if you remember Ron Morrison, the African American pastor, came preached uh, back in February, brought it, and. Uh, incredible preacher, a great man of God. So he invited me to come up and preach at his church up in Cleveland area, uh, Maple Heights. Man, I'm telling you, if you've never been to an African-American church, it's all black people. I mean, it's like we're all white people with a few African-Americans here. They're all African-Americans with a few white. Mm, mm, mm. I was, oh, I'm telling you, I was the best preacher on the planet last week. I was. I was. It was amazing, man. They talk to you. They talk back to you. And they let you, yeah, I apologize to them. I'm like, man, I am so sorry I did that to you because we were all white and, and you got nothing from us. And he's like, well, I'm kind of used to it. I'm like, oh, man. Man, when heaven comes around, Jesus starts talking. Mmm, Jesus, right? I mean, it's just, it was great. So, um, but I love coming back here. It's, it's great to be back home. I'm looking forward to actually what's happening here in the, in the days ahead. Um, we are going to be in a four-week series within the book of James. We're, we're coming finally back to the book of James, going to be finishing it up. But we have a four-week series that corresponds and run par- or runs parallel with this prayer and fasting that we're going to be on. And we're titling these next four weeks, Breakthrough. And if you haven't heard about it, and you don't get our, our emails from the church, like we send out a Thursday need to know, we send out the bulletin on an email as well. And if you want to get that and you didn't know that was possible, just email the office and say, hey, put me on that email thing where I find out information and they'll put you on that. So it, the email address is in the bulletin there if you want it. But anyway, we're doing four weeks of, of prayer and fasting for breakthrough. And I'll talk about that here in a few moments. And it comes out of James chapter 5. Chapter 5, verses 13, well, 13 through 18. We're going to focus in on verses 17 and 18, but let's read the whole context here. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain for three years and six months, and it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. And we'll stop there. And what we're going to do is we're going to focus on verses 17 and 18. And it, it kind of goes against my training because it's preaching something out of sequence and kind of pulls it out of context, but it's not really out of context. We're going to come back to the other verses later on. But it, I just am like, ugh, it drives me nuts to do this uh, because of all the way I'm wired and everything. And, and that's part of my issues. I'll get counseling later. But um, 
what we're preaching on is biblical, and, and it's a theme you'll find throughout the Bible. And, and we're going to circle back around to the other verses here in the weeks ahead. But I want to focus on this. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Other translations say the prayer of a righteous man or woman is powerful and effective. Elijah was a a man just like us, with a nature just like ours, yours, mine. He prayed fervently that it might not rain for three years and six months, and it didn't rain. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore fruit. Let me ask you something. Do you think you pray like Elijah? When you look at your prayer life and you look at what God is doing in your life and has done in your life, do you look at it and go, yeah, I pray like Elijah. I'm just like Elijah. Or do you go, not so much? Like, how is that possible? I'm going to go pray today and it's not going to rain for the next three years. Some of you are thinking, well, who's Elijah? <laughs> and that's a great question, too. Who is Elijah? To find out Elijah, you've got to go back to the book of Kings. In the book of Kings, 1 Kings chapter 16 is where you've got to start. And actually, Elijah's about to come on the scene in chapter 17 of, of 1 Kings. Chapter 16 sets it up, though. And there's a really bad king that's on the throne. Ahab, son of Omri, began to reign over Israel. He reigned for 22 years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. And, as if that had been a light thing for him to do, he took for his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, or Baal, Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. He erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria, capital city of Israel, worship center, political center. Ahab made an Asherah, which is this pole for worshiping thing. Uh, Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Bad days in Israel. Evil hours in Israel. At this point, Israel's a divided nation. You've got northern kingdom, southern kingdom. This is really confusing because we only think as Israel is one nation. Well, it was divided at one time. Northern kingdom was called Israel, had ten tribes. Southern kingdom was called Judah, had two tribes. Ahab's king of Israel, political center is Samaria, and now it's become this hotbed for idolatry. Ahab was the worst king that had ever been on the throne. Israel was in the worst place it had ever been, according to God. And then Elijah shows up. Elijah, the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there will be no dew or rain these years except by my word comes in front of the worst king, the most evil king, and says, no more rain. And Elijah was known as a prophet, a man of God in Israel, northern kingdom. They knew who he was. Ahab knew who he was. And he comes in and he says, 
by the authority of God, I am telling you right now, there will be no more rain because of you. And then he walks out. Now, question is, who, who's Elijah? Elijah is a Tishbite of Tishbe. Yeah, Tishbe was, if you're thinking Mediterranean, Israel's right here. It's way past the Jordan River, which divides Israel, and, and it's way out in the wilderness. Almost you're getting into Iraq, those areas. It's out there in the middle of nowhere. It's Tishbe. Nobody knows where Tishbe is. He's a Tishbite from Tishbe. Sounds like a cracker, right? You can find in the kosher section of your aisles. I mean, nobody's heard of the Tishbites. That's a family in Israel, but nobody knows who they are. He's a no-name guy from a no-name town. And here he is standing in front of the king saying, It will not rain, thus saith the Lord. It doesn't stop there, though. Elijah goes on then. God says, hey, I want you to get away. He goes into the wilderness. God sends ravens to feed him. And he stays there a while drinking from the book and the brook, and these ravens come, sent by God. Talk about breakthrough. I'll feed you with birds. Brook dries up because, in verse 7, because there's obviously a drought now proclaimed. So he then goes and moves and stays with this widow who has a young son. She doesn't have the resources to support him and herself and her son. And she's like, what am I going to do? I'm going to run out of flour. I'm going to run out of oil. And Elijah just says, no, you'll be fine. In the name of the Lord, if you have faith, if you trust God, you'll be fine. And guess what? She never ran out of oil. She never ran out of flour. As the story keeps going, her son ends up dying. She calls out to Elijah, what in the world have you brought into my house? And Elijah comes back, brings the boy upstairs, prays over the boy, calls out to God, Lord, heal this boy. And God raises the boy from the dead. Not just sick, but dead. Brings him back to life. This is Elijah, the no-name guy from the no-name town, raising people from the dead. The story goes on from there, and, and it comes to a head. Ahab, bad king, and he's been trying to kill, actually, Elijah, trying to hunt him down. And Elijah's been in hiding, trying to escape him. And, and Elijah finally sends word through a guy and says, all right, it's a showdown, let's do it. You bring you and all your Baal prophets and priests, I'm coming, and we're going to do a God showdown. Who's really on the throne? Who really is out there? They do this big meet. They, he says, bring all of Israel so the whole nation of Israel comes, and the prophets of Baal set up their altar. There's two altars, right? They're going to set up one and see which God throws fire from heaven. 450 prophets against one prophet, no-name guy from a no-name town. And they spend all day, oh, trying to bring Baal and have Baal come and bring fire, whatever, take the offering. And, and Elijah famously is on the side making fun of them. They start cutting themselves. They start beating themselves. He's like, what's the matter? You're God deaf? Is he, is he going to the bathroom? I mean, it says that. I mean, the Bible's funny. It's, um, it's in there. It's chapter uh, 18. Nothing happens. They finally give up. Elijah comes, douses his altar with water. Like, it's a drought. What are you doing pouring out precious water? And he's like, ah, we're going to show who's God around here. Douses the thing with water and more water and more water. And then he steps back and says, oh, Lord. And fire comes, devours the animal sacrifice, licks up the water, burns up the stones, the wood, the whole thing's gone. And Israel in that moment realized, oh, wait a minute. 
there is a God, and we're worshiping the wrong one. And they went and chased down all the 450 prophets, killed them all. The scene that James quotes is right at the end of chapter 18. Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat, and drink. And I don't know why they didn't take Ahab's life as well. I don't get that. I'm going to ask God when I get to heaven because Ahab was messed up. He allowed this all to happen. But anyway, Scott's economy, which we're all glad that it is not Scott's economy and kingdom. Amen? You don't have to say it too loud. But uh, go up, eat, drink, for there is a sound of the rushing rain. I mean, Elijah's here, and it's time to rain. I can hear it. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of the Mount, uh, Mount Carmel. He bowed himself down on the earth, put his face between his knees, and he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. The servant went up and looked and said, there's nothing. And he said, well, go again. He went up, came down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. One more, I think, seven, up, down. And in a little while, he came back, and the, and, and the servant said, hey, there's a cloud like a man's hand rising from the sea. And he said, Elijah said, go up and tell Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. In a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went towards Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And he gathered up his garment, ran before Ahab to the entrance of Israel. He outran the chariot. I mean, he picks up his robe and filled with the Holy Spirit, runs fast in the chariot. I wish I could have seen that. <laughs> Praise seven times. He gets on his knees, right? How long did he pray? I don't think it was just like, hey, is it there? No, I, I mean, he gets on his knees, right? He puts his head down. So what is he doing? He's, he's like praying, right? He's praying. Send the rain. Lord, I need a breakthrough. It's time to end the drought. Breakthrough and send the rain. And he, he's praying. He's pouring out his heart before God saying, it's time. And he doesn't just pray and it doesn't happen. Then go, well, I guess it's maybe I was wrong. He, he prays again. Well, it didn't happen then. He doesn't quit. He keeps praying until God breaks through. And I love the servant when he comes down and he says, yeah, I see this cloud, it's on the distance, like a hand coming up out of the sea. I mean, what did that look like? I mean, you think about that, that's like this hand, right? Now imagine a big hand. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Whose hand was he seeing? That's exactly right. I love that picture, right? This hand coming up like clouds, like, oh yeah. We're going to rain. It's God. God breaking through, when you think about it, he broke through with natural resources feeding him. He broke through sickness. He broke through death. And all these prayers that Elijah prayed. He broke through spiritual warfare and kingdoms in conflict. Satan and God. And God comes in and just breaks through. I am God with fire. And he breaks through natural laws 
and sends rain. And James says, you, I, am just like Elijah. A nature just like ours. He prayed fervently that it might not rain. And I want to to stop there for a second. We all want God to do breakthrough, right? We want him to break through in, in life and relationships and physical healing and jobs and, and whatever. We want all these things. But I think we often miss the, the point that it comes not just praying. There's something more to it. Because if you go back and you read the Greek here, it literally says, that came out weird, literally says, um, praying he prayed. You ever said that? Yeah, I was with someone and praying they prayed. We don't say that. But it means something, right? Like I think intuitively we're going, oh, praying. He prayed. Like, I pray. You ever say that? You ever heard somebody say that? Hey, you don't believe in God? Yeah, I pray. Okay. Do you ever just, yeah, I pray. Do you understand praying? He prayed. Every translation translates this earnest prayer. Earnest prayer. It's like you're getting under the weight of something and you're, you're pulling it up and you're, you're feeling the weight and you're saying, oh, Lord. Breakthrough. How do you know you're in that place? How do you know if you've been there? I don't know. It's, it's kind of this thing because it's not about a formula, but the Bible teaches this and describes this over and over again. If you go to 1 Samuel, Hannah, who struggled with infertility her whole life, is in the temple praying, and she's pouring out her heart, and the high priest comes up to her and says, what are you doing? You're drunk. Go home and come back when you're sober. Ow. I mean, can you imagine someone doing that, coming up here, you're pouring out your heart, and I just walk up to you and go, what are you doing here? You're drunk. She didn't care what people thought. She was earnestly praying. And she looked at him, she goes, I'm not drunk. I am praying and calling out to my God for a son. Ezra Israel, Judah are both destroyed. Famous story of Judah taken into Babylon. They're in captivity about 60 years. God raises up two men, Ezra and Nehemiah, together, priest, political leader. Together they bring back and restore Israel, whole nation Israel, in in Jerusalem. And Ezra finds out about what's going on back home in Jerusalem. It's destroyed and everything. What does Ezra do? It says he rips his clothes. He falls to the ground weeping crying out, praying earnestly. Nehemiah hears about this, and he's not with Ezra. He's someplace else. Simultaneously, he hears about it. He weeps bitterly, praying and crying out to God for Jerusalem. Jacob, he wrestled with God, praying, asking God for this blessing. It was so intense, he limped the rest of his life. Praying, he prayed. Paul writes about Epaphras, 
This guy who wrestled in prayer for the Colossians. You pray earnestly? Do you ever pray until you see breakthrough, not just once or twice, but you keep sending somebody as you pray? Is it come? No, okay, we're going back to prayer. Is it come? No. You ever ripped your clothes? <laughs> not that it's a formula, but that you feel it so deeply. And I'm not saying you have to rip your clothes to do this. I just wonder how much we'll go through life and say, yeah, we pray. I pray. And James says this, you and I are just like Elijah. Elijah fed by ravens, you know, an endless supply of flour, oil, raises a son from the dead, calls down fire from heaven, prays, and God does that. Prays, you know, stops stop the rain, prays, starts the rain. Anybody stop the rain for the state of Ohio for three years? You're just like Elijah. Who here is thinking... Not so much. That was then. That's, that's not now. I'm not the one saying it. If we believe in the authority of Scripture, God says this, right? It's not even James. God has inspired James, and God is saying, you are just like Elijah. I don't care how old you are. You may be in grade school. You may be in high school. You may be middle-aged. You may be hitting retirement. You're just like Elijah. And I think most of us are going, but I'm a no-name guy. I'm a no-name gal from really a no-name town. No, I'm not. I remember we had a, a couple professors um, from Nyack Seminary out, on, out by New York, and they came and they did this big Holy Spirit weekend thing about eight or nine years ago. And I remember them teaching us, hey, no, you guys are going to do this, and you're gonna, God's going to move through you. And, and, and we'd already started to see God heal people and give these words of knowledge and stuff that was happening. I was like, how is this happening? And they're looking at me, and they're looking at the people in the group going, you guys can do this. And I'm like, no, we can't. I've never done that. You can do that. And, and they refused to join our prayer groups. They just stood on the side. And I'm like, dude, we just paid you a lot of money. Get in here. Right? And they said, no, we're not getting in here. You are just like Elijah. Some of you feel that right now? Oh, I can't pray like Pastor Scott or Pastor Lynn or Pastor Sean or some of these other people. I, I just can't. I'm not that, let alone Elijah. Here is the truth. God is telling you and me that you are just like Elijah. A.W. Tozer once wrote, anything God has ever done, he can do now. 
anything God has ever done anywhere, he can do here. Anything God has ever done for anyone, he can do for you. And so what we're going to do as a church is we are going to pray and fast these next four weeks. And we are going to pray for breakthrough. There's a qualifier in this passage. It's about righteousness. And we're going to talk more about that in the coming weeks. That is the qualifier. That's the only thing. And you may say, well, what's righteousness? It's just simply somebody who has a story like what we just heard up here. Somebody who said, I need Jesus. He has saved me. He's forgiven me of my sins. And he's made me righteous. It's not complex. It's not rocket science. That's it. And you mean it in here. And you want him in here. That's it. It's not hard. It's not unattainable. It's available for everyone. Anyone who's righteous, just, we're just like Elijah. And Elijah prayed for things that God wanted to happen, that God was passionate about. And in these coming weeks, what we're going to do is we are going to pray and fast for four different areas, and I'm going to tell you it's a setup because it's stuff that God wants. And we're going to ask for breakthrough. He's going to answer it because he's already said it's his will and he already says he wants to. And so the staff, we've talked about this and we felt like it's now time. We're settled in the building. We're good. Things are going well. It's time to pray. And for those of you who are newer to our church, this, this may be new to you. I don't know. You may never have done a fast or a pray. We've done a bunch of them over the years. It's the only way we got to where we are today. We have fasted and we have prayed over the years and we continue to pray. Answered prayer is the only reason we're here. It's not because of any leader, any group of people. It's Christ and answering the prayers of his people. That's it. It's the bread and butter of our church. We're a one-trick pony. We pray a lot. That's all we got. So I want you to consider and prayfully consider this. For any child, any student, any adult, would you give up one hour this week, whether it's during your meal time or your game time or your TV time? And would you spend time praying for the theme of the week, these next four weeks? One hour a week. Now, you may be saying, that's not that much. Well, fantastic. You can do more. You can. There's no rules against it. We, we looked in the, the rule book. Um, give up one hour a week, the next four weeks, praying for breakthrough in the specific theme of that week. The other thing I want to challenge you to do is to attend the river one night over the next four weeks. Not every night. Just come one night. Come out to the river. It's over in that room over there. We're going to pray as a group. It's about an hour and 15 minutes. Wednesday nights at 6.30. So the first week starts right now this morning. The theme of this week is evangelism. I want you to pray for these things. Breakthrough in these areas of evangelism. Personally, we want you to ask God 
God, who are the one or two people that I have been praying for for years? Or who are the two people in my life I may be praying for years, but you want somebody else that you want me to pray for breakthrough in? Name them. Write them down right now. Now, if you want to pray for more, that's fantastic. There's no rules against that. You can do one to two people for sure. Second thing, we want you to pray for Freshwater Church, for two specific ministries. One for our VBS, which uh, Beth just talked about. It's coming up here in June. We want to see breakthrough happen in the lives of the children and the parents. We want the stories of, the, of VBS to be not only about the kids, but the kids going home and telling them about Jesus and, and them seeing the difference and hearing, seeing the difference in the church. VBS, we want breakthrough there, and Alpha. Now you'd be saying, Alpha, what's Alpha? Well, Alpha is a Greek word for the beginning. So if you think Alpha, it's about the beginning, it's the place where you begin. We're starting Alpha in September, and we need you to pray for this. And we want you to consider who you could even invite to this, because it's, an, it's a ministry, it is a talk, oh, it's a dinner, it's a talk, and it's a discussion. That's what Alpha is, a dinner, a talk, a discussion. And it's about them exploring who Jesus is and, and having an, an, an opportunity over 12 weeks to get to know other people, to be able to have a safe place to share what they think and, and begin this journey of possibly following Christ. But we need to pray that there is breakthrough and alpha and this thing takes off. Third thing, Summer Hartzler, she's our international worker over in Germany, connected to our church, used to be here, is now over there. She's asked us to pray for Christine. Christine, she's been relating to, no, in relationship with for three years, just hard, refusing the gospel. Christine's father just died, like a month ago. And Summer's saying, let's pray for breakthrough. Mamadou, that's the Duex, they're in Senegal. And we have a partnership with them as well. And Mamadou speaks, he's from, he speaks Pular, and he's the one teaching the Senegal team Pular, which, this is all confusing, I know, but it's the language of the Fula people. So Fulas speak Pular, and this guy they have been working on as a team for four years, and he's just been resistant. So we're praying for one person in Senegal, who could be a gatekeeper to a whole nation. We're, we're praying for Christine, who could open the doors to all these relationships in Germany. And what are we going to pray? As you look at those four things, personally, Freshwater, Summer, Duex, we are going to pray for dreams. We're going to pray God brings dreams, God brings visions, God brings healing. In the first service, you didn't hear this story, but we had, uh, Doug was up here. Doug came to our church, I don't know, eight or nine years ago, alcoholic. Life was falling apart. He surrenders his life, and he was healed on a Sunday morning. He came, actually, it wasn't here, it's, it was there, because he got baptized here. He came front, and he asked, and there was a group of us that prayed over him. He had divine healing. He never touched a drink again, never had cravings. It was literally removed from him. Yeah. So that's what we're going to pray. We're going to pray that God heals people. And it, and it shows them that there is a God. It's legal to pray these things. It is. It's okay. It's in the Bible. We want them to have God encounters, right? You can say however you want. Deliverance. 
This is demonic stuff. When you talk about Baal worship and all that, you're talking about spiritual warfare. We're going to ask, literally, God, would you set them free from the demons that are on them? I listen to the radio so much, and I hear people talk about, and these aren't Christians, and talk about demons. And I'm thinking, and they don't, I don't even know if they know that they believe in it. I think they do believe in it, but they don't push it too far to go, well, if there's demons, you need help. Well, we're going to pray for that. We're going to pray that over these people. Can you imagine 600 people praying for breakthrough in Christine's life? Can you imagine 600 people praying for breakthrough in Mamadou's life? Look out. And this is what God wants to do, right? This, we're not making this stuff up. This is why we pray and fast, because God breaks through. He does things that are amazing, and we just sit back, and, and we just, you don't get this without God. I want to see him break through in our church. It's time. It's time for a new season. It's time to get on our knees and pray earnestly. We're settled in. Let's do this. To start this fast off, I want to invite anyone here who feels like, I'm not like Elijah. I can't do this. Anyone thinks they're disqualified because of their past? Anyone who thinks, well, I haven't been a Christian long enough. I don't have, I don't know the Bible. I don't even have a degree. I don't have a doctor. I don't have nothing. I just became a Christian two weeks ago. If you are struggling with those thoughts, God is here today to declare those thoughts lies. It's not like your reality. It's not like your feelings determine truth. The Bible says those are lies. And the only one who plants lies like that is Satan. It's demonic thinking. It is. It's not of Christ. If you're in that lie and you look at your prayer life and you look at the way you pray and you go, yep, my prayer life proves it. God wants to set you free and God wants to deal with those lies right now. Not this week, not next week, not at the end of the fast. We're going to deal with it right now. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And it's just a simple prayer. We're just going to go through this. It'll, it won't take very long. And if you... If you are looking at this idea, this passage, this promise, this reality that God says this is who you are and you're, you're sick of the lies, you want to get rid of the lies, you, you want this, what God is saying, then I'm going to ask you in a moment to stand. Standing, it isn't about a formula, but it is a statement to God that says, I'm earnest, I'm serious.
I don't care what people think. If somebody wants to think I'm drunk, fine. If somebody wants to think I'm a mess because I'm standing up, fine. If somebody thinks I'm less than, fine. I don't care. I want this. If you want to start seeing breakthrough and praying just like Elijah, I invite you to stand here in a second. I'm going to pray and I'm going to lead you in this prayer. And I want you to either whisper it or to say it louder if you, you want to do that. You, you need to say this out loud because it is spiritual warfare. And, and there, there's a demonic realm, and you, some of you may get like, ah, what is that? And Pastor Scott's talking about demons. It, it's in the Bible. It happens. And, and if this is really a lie from Satan, the Bible teaches that when we, when we embrace something from Satan, it becomes a foothold and literally can become a stronghold in our life. Stronghold, satanic stronghold. And so we have to say these things out loud because they can't read our mind. Thank goodness. They can't. Only God reads our mind. Only God knows our heart, our spirit. They don't. So we have to say these things out loud. So you can whisper it, they'll hear that. You can talk out loud, great. But they need to hear you make this stand. So here, we're going to pray right now. So I just invite those who God is leading to stand, to stand and just repeat after me as we pray this prayer. In the name of Jesus, I confess to believing lies. Lies that say I can't pray like Elijah, that I'm not qualified, I don't deserve to, and that God will never answer me, just like Elijah. Lord, I'm sorry I believe these lies. I'm sorry it kept me from praying. I receive your forgiveness. I see your blood washing me. I hear your voice saying, it is finished. In Jesus' name, I renounce these lies as evil. I destroy the spiritual hold they have on me. And in Jesus' name, I rebuke all demonic spirits that are tied to these lies. I command you to leave my presence. And go wherever Jesus tells you to go. Jesus, tell them to go. <laughs> in the name of Jesus Christ, and the authority of his word, I declare the truth 
that I'm just like Elijah. That my prayers are just as powerful and effective as Elijah's were. I declare the truth that this comes from Christ's righteousness in me. Holy Spirit, right now, I pray over each person in this room who is standing, you would fill them with fresh faith. You're the one who gives faith. You created faith. You say faith will never end. I pray you would fill each person with new faith in you and the truth of your word. I pray right now that you would begin to give people names you want them to pray for. I pray for everyone who's prayed here, even, even more than that, Lord, would you show them right now how you see each person and what they have done and what they've confessed and what they've declared and taken on. How do you see them? Would you give them a picture or a vision, maybe a word from your scripture? Would you bless them with your peace right now? Would you raise up each person who humbled themselves, who, who put their spirit on the altar, their, their bodies on the altar right now and said, I'm yours, humbled themselves before you. Would you lift each person up right now? Only you lift them. <laughs>